Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. This series has, uh, it's been on my heart for a while. Actually, I wrote a lot of the notes of it last April. Just felt like God was speaking to me and in this area for our congregation and just waiting for the right time for it uh, to, to emerge. Because I think things like this, learning to follow Jesus more closely are, are important. We went through a year last year where we saw just God in his supernatural power and glory pour his spirit out in our midst. And I think that I think that is great. Those seasons are wonderful. And I want to say, too, keep an eye on Asbury Seminary. Are you watching that? There's been an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, an unusual outpouring of the Holy Spirit at that seminary, if you've seen it kind of on the news and social media. But those, those times and seasons are good. But there's also a time of uh, kind of learning to follow Jesus closely and discipleship. You can look at Jesus early in his ministry, uh, Matthew uh, 3, 4. Man, there was all all kinds of miracles, all kinds of signs and wonders. Crowds were following Jesus everywhere. Then there became a moment where he took the crowds and he said, whoa, come out to the Sea of Galilee and sit down because there's some things that I want to teach you. And he started with what we know is the Sermon on the Mount, started with the Beatitudes about how to get closer to God, how to treat people uh, in a way that God would uh, uh, be pleased. So he combined a supernatural moment with a moment of teaching growth and depth. So they are not mutually exclusive. You can do both at the same time. You can have powerful outpourings of the Holy Spirit, but that is not all that God wants to do. There's a time for growth, depth, and root to go down into the hearts of believers. So uh, you, we hear the term, follow me a lot. We hear it. It's very, you know, common to social media. If you follow on Instagram, if you're an Instagram, you know, got an Instagram account, you see your social media account, you see this term used a lot. Now, <clears throat> if you follow some of those, it can lead you in a lot of crazy places. Let me, let me tell you that. So like if you're on Instagram and you follow uh, Mr. Hands Up, we got a couple of pictures. This is a man who travels around the world, takes pictures of himself with his hands up. All right. That's the totality of his account. He has 10,000 followers. Okay. Or you, if you may follow Cash Cats, Cash Cats is a pictures of cats with cash. All right. That's every picture. They have a half million followers watching this interesting drama that you see this morning. Or there are accounts like a Combo Photo combining two unusual things. Right here you see spaghetti and meatballs and a forklift, okay? And the next one, you figure this out. All right, this account has over 1 million followers. All right, so I just want to say 
as your friend, if you are following Hands Up, Cash Cats, and Combo Photo, you might want to reevaluate certain parts of your life, okay? There might be some other things out there that might bring a little more light, you know, uh, to your life. So follow me is a term that we hear a lot, you know, come get more information and follow this account. But the term follow me is not original to social media, is an original a term that Jesus used at the beginning of his ministry and throughout his ministry that we're going to look at this term over the course of the series. So in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus, it says, Jesus saw a man who was a tax collector sitting at a booth and he said, these simple words follow me. Matthew got up immediately and followed him. I want to show just a little clip from the chosen that just brings a little kind of life to this moment. Watch this. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. Can put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Amen. I love the chosen. I love the chosen. So there was something 
even in the midst of that simple invitation, there was something that was so compelling, something that touched his heart in such a way that Matthew left his security, his vocation, the agreement he made with the Roman government, his, you know, his money, his dreams, all of that. He left it behind, but not as a sacrifice or duty or obligation. He saw that there was this great blessing and this wonderful opportunity to know this person, Jesus, in a better way. So that's follow me. So why this series? Because we want to explore the meaning of Jesus' words, follow me, as he uses throughout Scripture uh, in, in relation to, you know, be, becoming a little bit deeper in our faith. Follow me is a term that Jesus inferred to stay close to me, watch, learn, Ask, observe. What does the term, the words follow me mean? In, the, in a big picture that we're going to kind of unpack over the next few weeks, it means to be a follower of Jesus is to make a lifelong commitment to learn and live out his teachings, okay? To be a follower of Jesus is to make a lifelong commitment to learn and live out his teachings. So a lifelong follower of Jesus means... It's a continual process. There's a curiosity and excitement about, about following Jesus. It's not seasonal. It's not situational. We don't get closer to the Lord when things are going well and we forget about him when things aren't going so well. It means a lifelong follower means it doesn't matter the, your age or your length of service to God, but that you are committed to being a follower of Jesus throughout your life. It means who is a lifelong of, of what follow me is a uh, to be a follower of Jesus is to make a lifelong commitment to learn who is committed to learning all right discovery learning more curiosity through scripture reading and listening group learning so that you can grow deeper and know him in a greater way listen to me how you know Jesus now is not the end of how Jesus can reveal himself to you over a period of time you've not reached the pinnacle of revelation and love for Jesus there is more that he has in store for you. And also uh, the term, it means to live out his teachings. So there is a point of application that changes our lifestyle. We're not just trying to acquire some classroom biblical knowledge, but also as we learn this knowledge, we enter the laboratory of life and see how these principles interact, you know, with our life and our lifestyle. So through the series, we are looking for what the Bible says about following Jesus. We are looking for common habits, behaviors, and priorities of those that follow Jesus. And this will be our template and our roadmap over the next several weeks. Now, we have some resources that we want to give to you. The first one is the book, I Am a Christian, Discovering What It Means to Follow Jesus. If you are 35 years of age or under, you're kind of new to faith, you're kind of new uh, uh, to, uh, maybe you haven't been raised in church, I'm giving you this for free. If you're a little older than 35, once they're gone, you can have one too, okay? So, 
But, but it really unpacks what it means to be a servant, how to, how to pray, how to live, your relationships in the church. It is a great kind of refresher and beginner there as well. Also, and we have a resource table in the foyer with these resources. See, Kelsey, we have a handout called The Definition of Discipleship. Just some, a great article defining what it means to follow Jesus a little closer. It's got a little fill-in-the-blank kind of work when you get through uh, with that. Also, we want to remind you of our connections classes. These are classes to take you deeper and explain your relationship with Jesus. There are six classes. They're all on YouTube. I teach them low-tech from my office. We've got fill-in-the-blank uh, notes that we have available for you. You can pick those up at the resource table. It's free. It's on YouTube. You can take you can take these classes anytime. Do the fill in the blank. If you'll see Kelsey in the foyer, she'll get you signed up on all of these resources. But take advantage because I, I really unpack on these videos some of what we're talking about, uh, about, about following Jesus. And then also as we're walking through this over the next, you know, few weeks, if you feel like you need a coach, a mentor, someone to kind of journey along beside you as we're, as we're walking through learning what following me means, reach out to us, talk to Kelsey, talk to Brad, one of our team. We would love to have someone kind of pray with you and talk with you and kind of kind of be a mentor through this uh, through this time. So as we talk about follow me, the term, you know, just a reminder is not about an organization. It's not about church membership. It is about learning to follow Jesus selflessly, make him Lord and follow Jesus. Now let me say, this is the opposite of what American culture tells you because American culture will tell you life is about self, self-image, and self-gratification. Following Jesus is the complete opposite of that. We teach, you know, we teach self. It's the most important thing. We want to live for ourselves. We want to be in charge. When a, a person that, you know, follows self, I want to make my own decisions. My life is all about me and what I want. Self-actualization and self-determination are the most important things. But I want you to know following Jesus and following self are two mutually exclusive thoughts. So that's one, one thing American culture kind of breeds in us that takes us away from following Jesus. The other is self-image. Self-image. We live to impress. We live for applause, likes, follows, friends, stories, streaks, and the opinions of others. It means everything to us. Perceptions, whether it's true or not, just the perception that everything is going right, good, everything, we, we're cool, we have money. Self-image is, is so important in American culture. I went, took my bicycle uh, to, I needed a new tire. And I took it to the little bike shop, and it's a really cool bike shop. I mean, they got bike races on the monitors, and these people, they're, I mean, they're really into this. So I just took it for a repair. I go back a week later, I'm, I'm going to pick it up. And the guy, I got a different person, and the guy said, um, hey, so are you a biker? Well, sure. You know, like, I just felt pressure. Do you answer no when you're in the bike shop? So, yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a biker. I'm a biker. So, you know, 
So, like, how often do you ride? And I said, you know, I ride, you know, two, three times a week, which is true. I like to ride in my neighborhood. He's like, oh, man, that's, that's great. Well, it's good to have more people like you and, you know, in our city. And, you know, that, I'm like, that's, that's great. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm a biker. I'm a biker. So he said, hey, if there's ever a day that you think you might want to upgrade, you know, let, let me show you some of what we got while well, we got a few minutes. So that's, that's fine. So I walk over and he shows me, he said, this is kind of a takeoff on the Lance Armstrong aluminum frame from the Tour de France. And I was like, wow, I picked it up. I mean, it was unbelievable. But then I turned the price tag around. It was $1,200. Okay. 1200 bucks. So immediately in my mind, I'm out. I'm out. But... I'm a biker now. I'm a biker. So I was just, you know, hey, well, that's great. You know, that's great. I'm backing away from it, not touching it, you know, in any way. But I, I didn't want to tell him, listen, I'm not a $1,200 biker. I just want you to know that. So I was like, yeah, man, this is great. Well, I'll, you know, I'll be thinking about it. I'll be thinking about it. And he said, well, what kind of bike do you have now? I have, a, I bought a bike from Walmart, okay? <laughs> listen. It, it doesn't, it doesn't even, it's not even called like a Walmart T-1000. It's just Walmart. I said, well, I, I got it from Walmart, but it's like an off-road. I said, it's got dual braking. I don't know where that came from. Everything's got dual braking. You know, but for whatever reason, I don't want him to know I'm a hundred. It cost me a hundred bucks from Walmart. You know, we, we live, I, I just wouldn't tell him. You know, I'm way out of my, I just wanted a, a replacement tire here. That's all that I wanted. We don't want anybody to know. The self-image is everything. Even to a man that I didn't even know, I just wanted him to think, I'm a cool biker. I'm a cool biker. Self, self-image, self-gratification. It's all about me and what I want. Relationships are all about me. Sex is all about me. Money is about me. My direction, what I want with my life, that I can get the greatest kind of uh, experience in my life. So we take the, the term follow Jesus and we take, you know, three of those tenets from American culture, self, self-image and self-gratification, and we try to morph them into kind of our own strange version of faith. I will serve Jesus, but I kind of want to do it on my own terms. I will acknowledge him, but, you know, myself and self-image are important, and they're even more important than deny, take up your cross, and follow me. So it's kind of this unique twist on the faith of Jesus it's got this kind of American kind of flavor uh, in it. So in this series, I, I want to talk primarily to two audiences. It will be to, to everyone, but I want to speak to young adults, all right, 35 years in age and under. So if you're a young adult, you're new to faith, we want you to know Jesus personally and intimately. Now listen to me. You may not have been raised in church are raised actively in church or in an evangelical church. You may not know a lot about God, a lot about the Bible. That's what this series is for because we want to show you the pathway that you can follow him and get to know him better because there are all kinds of voices in a young adult's ear, heart, mind, and phone. Okay, all kinds. Some of them are not healthy. Some of these voices are trying to pull you in ways that are opposite of the ways of faith. If you saw the 
Grammys and saw any of that, you know, uh, social media after that, man, we, we have a culture that will take you, voices and influence that will take you far away from the call of follow me. Also, if you're a young adult, you know, uh, the, the finding out what your purpose is is very important. Knowing what your purpose is and why you were created are, was, is very important. But we think through following Jesus closer, you can find a fulfillment that is greater than you can ever imagine for living for yourself. We think that you can find purpose and meaning and identity through a close relationship with Jesus. Second audience in this series, maybe those who've been believers for a while. Maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and over the period of time, maybe your love for him has kind of grown cold. Maybe he's not first in your life uh, anymore. Now, this doesn't mean you've turned your back on faith, that you're not a believer, but man, there's just been a little maybe spiritual decay, a little coldness that has, you know, that has come in, that has come in your life. George Barna says out of, uh, that are 20% of Christian adult, only 20% of Christian adults are involved in some kind of activity that gets them closer to Jesus. A small group, a Bible study, personal devotion. So he's saying, one out of five are the ones kind of really doubling down on following Jesus. So if that's you, maybe you've been around a while, maybe it's just a little cold, you know, we, that you're, you're part of the audience that I want to speak to as well. Maybe your faith has become kind of a lifeless habit and routine. Maybe you maybe just stop pursuing for whatever reason, you know, over the course of time, maybe something's happened in your life. There was a death or, you know, something theologically that you didn't understand and just caused you to, to be a little distant. Maybe maybe you, you've been very busy and kind of lost your, your priorities. Maybe there's been success in your life and God's blessed you. And the back part of that is, man, it's caused you to be a little distant in your life, maybe a little complacent on things that you know. You started taking shortcuts in your, you know, in your faith walk. So I, over the course of these weeks, I want to speak to speak to them as well. So as we talk about follow me, we're going to look at Jesus' habits, behaviors, priorities. We want to give you the roadmap because each week we're going to be introducing some of these as well. So let's start this journey. All right. Follow me begins with an initial life-changing encounter with Jesus. Follow me. Following Jesus begins with an initial life-changing encounter with Jesus. You just saw it reflected with Matthew. Some, we call it salvation or saved or born again. Whatever term we want to use, we saw it with Matthew, just this, this moment where the, the light bulb went on in his head and his heart, and he began to follow, he began to follow Jesus. Now let's, this initial life came, life-changing encounter, I want to define that in just a moment, but I want to walk through just for a moment. Sometimes people think they're kind of saved and right with God, but it's based on some wrong thinking. Some assume, some presume. So I want to walk through that, maybe the back, what, it, what it's not, okay? With some reasons people believe they are saved. Let me walk through these, okay? I've been christened, dedicated, baptized in water. 
Okay, some people think, you know, whatever, you know, like if they were christened or dedicated that somehow salvation was conferred upon them, you know, by someone else, especially as a child or, or an infant. And I want to say we practice and believe uh, infant dedication, but even in the ceremony, we acknowledge that there's a time that as they grow up, they've got to accept Christ themselves. So maybe you go, well, I was dedicated, I was christened, so somehow that makes me right with God. That would be incorrect. That would be absolutely biblically incorrect. Or you may go, hey, I was baptized in water. Now, we believe baptism is an important expression of salvation, but to some people, it can just be ceremonial. It can just be, hey, I clicked the, you know, I signed up and, and I was baptized. So sometimes there are certain ceremonial things that occur in people people's lives, you know, that, that make us think, hey, I'm right with God. But really, when you see the definition, you'll know that it falls short. So if you've been christened, dedicated, baptized in water, that is not, you know, that is not your salvation alone. Here's something else. My childhood was centered around faith in church. I was raised in church. I have a family, generational Christian faith. I'm a church member. I join the church here. If you are a member of Generations Church, you're on the written record. Let me just tell you something, okay? The role of Generations Church, the membership role, and the Lamb's Book of Life are two separate documents, okay? They're, they're separate documents, now, as the pastor, I hope when we get to heaven, there are a lot of common names on the Lamb's Book of Life and the membership role, okay? But if you think just by joining that, that washes you in the blood and it forgives your sins, you would be wrong. We live in the South where there's a lot of cultural Christianity that, go, that happens that can confuse people. I was raised in church. You know, my family, we pray. I go on Easter. I don't curse. So we think, you know, uh, if, if we adapt culturally, we think that that is somehow salvation. But that would be incorrect. It does not matter if you were raised in church. There is a moment that you have to accept Christ as your Savior. Okay? I, I'm, the, I'm the, the poster child of that. I've got generations of preachers in my family raised in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, every service. I was there, but there was a point in my life that what my, my parents did for me did not did not bring me over the line of salvation just because I was raised there. I had to come to a moment as a junior in high school that I realized I needed my sins forgiven. Listen to me. There's only so much that you can do to be in the shadow of godly parents that bring you to church. But there's a moment that you are going to have to stand before God and accept Christ on your own. So if you think just because I was raised in this, then I'm good, you would be, you would be wrong. How about those, I try to be a good moral person. I, I do benevolent acts. I give to charities. I'm, I'm trying to be more spiritually conscious. I want to be a better human being. All right, those are, are excellent, you know, kind of uh, values and attitudes to have. But it would not be something that would forgive your sins and bring you into fellowship with Jesus. It's like this. If the doctor told you you have cancer, you have cancer, all right? And you said, I'm going to treat this by doing 
acts of service. I'm going to give money to charitable organizations. I'm going to be more kind. Those things would be well and good, but it would, would not deal with the molecular toxicity that's in your bloodstream. Same thing when it comes to faith. When we go, hey, I'm trying to be a better person. I'm giving to the poor. I'm trying to be a better human being, trying to be more spiritual. That's all well and good, but it doesn't deal with the sin issue that's on the inside of our hearts. So when we're trying to be a better human being, more spiritual, those things are great and in the, within themselves, but they don't define salvation as we're going to define it in just a moment. How about I'm currently serving in my local church? If I'm active in, in attendance and, and, and maybe I give some money and I'm involved, you know, then somehow that must mean that there's something going on in my life spiritually. And I go, not necessarily. People show up to stuff all the time. Just, you know, just uh, to, 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 be, to be involved. So sometimes our attendance, giving a few dollars, or our service in the church can mask to us the lostness of our own heart and mind. And one, one last thing, hey, I believe, in the, I believe the Bible is real and that Jesus existed. So some people go, hey, I have certain theological beliefs that, that, that are important to me, so... Because I believe those, then I must be a Christian. And I would just go, that's, that's not necessarily incorrect. You know, serving Jesus is not, you know, just adult JBQ. Just because you win at your house when you play Bible trivia does not mean you're ready for the gates of pearl. All right? It doesn't mean that just because you can tell certain details about certain Bible stories, you, you know Jonah and the well does not mean, you know, that you're ready to stand before God. So just because you have this base of biblical belief, it, it is not necessarily salvation within itself. So I want to I remind you there's only one way I'm going to define that to you, that, it be, that a person has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. But the things that I just mentioned, you will fall short on those. But people get tangled up in their thinking. You're not, you're not saved by association. If I hang out with Christians, if I go to church, then that just must mean something in my life. And I'm going, not necessarily. All right, so let me define this life-changing encounter with Jesus. What is salvation? What is being born again? What makes a person saved? What are components of salvation? Listen to me, all right? First thing, you need to confess the need for God in your life. You need to confess the need for God in your life. Some people can't do this. They're all about, I got to fix my own problems. I got to, you know, I created this issue, so I've got to repair it. Some, some people just maybe have some sense of pride in their life or they don't feel like, you know, some kind of emotional weakness. If you've got to reach out to God, I'll handle things on my own. And they approach their life just slapping duct tape on certain brokenness in their life and just thinking nobody, you know, nobody, nobody knows at all. And I just want to say, listen, you might be able to piece together certain broken parts of your life. You might be able to piece them together, but it will not forgive your sins and lead you into fellowship with Jesus. 
Some people, they won't acknowledge, confess the need for God in your life. Some can't do it. Some can't do it. Two men, Jesus told the story, two men went up to the temple to pray. One man said, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm not like the other people, you know, they're, that they're evil and that they're robbers. But Lord, I fast and I give offerings and I'm thankful I'm not like them. The other man, the tax collector, he wouldn't even go into the temple. He kept his head down. It said he wouldn't even look up to God. It said he beat his chest and he, and he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. There's a, there's a point in your life where you got to realize, you know, there's only so much you can do with your life spiritually and you've got to call out to God. Some of you, your life's headed down a, a wrong track in your life and you bang your head and you, you're trying to pull yourself out to the ditch. What you need to do instead of going through that exercise, the sixth, seventh, is eight, or eighth time is to go, God, I need you in my life. I'm at the end of everything that I can do and I am calling out to you. I need your help. You got to call out to God. You got to call out to God. Confess the need for God in your life. Second part of this life-changing experience with, with Jesus. Believe in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. This is important. Because we're not trying to just create some loose belief in some deity out there in the cosmos. We are followers of Jesus, so there's certain parts of, of Jesus' life that we have to believe and adhere to, all right? Romans says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved. So this is, isn't some acknowledgement of deity. To follow Jesus, it becomes a little more narrow because there's certain things you've got to believe about the person of Jesus. Historically, you got to believe that he lived. You know, this passage, if you said you got to believe in the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, not only historically, but also symbolically what that means, his death upon the cross, his resurrection from the dead. So that that's an important part. We're just not trying to get you, you know, to, to uh, uh, adhere to monotheism, but we're trying to get you to be a follower of Jesus, believe in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. The next part is repent of your sins and ask Jesus to forgive you. All right, so this is a tough one. This is a tough one because when people look at their own sin, their sinful acts, and see how they've hurt God and others, it bothers them. This is a painful moment. I just want to tell you, some people don't want to <clears throat> go through this. They want to come to God without repentance. They want to be right with God without acknowledging their, their sinfulness and their sinful behavior. So they try to jump this fence and you can't do it. Because repentance is an important, important part. And repentance is acknowledging your sin to God and a pledge to turn from that sin and that lifestyle. It is the announcement to God, I am done with my old life and now I'm going to live for Christ. Because this can be a painful moment, as I said. 
When you look back at what you've done, how you've hurt the Lord, you have to admit and come to face to face with the terrible, you know, actions that you've done in your life and the wrongs that you've caused and the hurts that you've caused. But if we don't come through repentance, then we set ourselves up for failure after that because without repentance, where I'm trying to turn from my old life, if I'm trying to come to God without repentance, then I'm just, I continue to try to live my previous life and also try to my best to live for God. And you've already, you're already on a pathway of failure. Repentance is important because we go, you know what, God, if you'll help me, this is my old life. I'm getting rid of this. I'm going to be a new person. First John says, if you confess your sins, if you confess them, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when you come to that moment that you confess and you realize the weight of what you've done, how you've hurt God with your sinfulness and others, and you ask God to forgive you, let me tell you, I don't care what you've done in your past. It doesn't matter to me like your mental resume of the bad stuff that you've done. It is washed away in the blood of Jesus and you're a new person because of Christ. Amen. Would you give him praise this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're new to this church, there's some sketchy people sitting out in these pews, these chairs. They've done some bad things in their life. They've made some poor mistakes, got prison records, addictions, broken marriage, broken, broken homes. But you know what? But you know what? They came to Jesus and they said, in the midst of my brokenness, I realize what I've done and I've hurt people, but Lord, I'm going to bring you my brokenness and Lord, I believe that you're going to forgive me. They have found repentance. They have found salvation that God has forgiven them and they've been able to turn the page. Something else. You agree to follow and live out the teachings of Jesus. So it's not just something that we're trying to learn a few things, but now, now this book becomes an important part of our life because now we're going to learn uh, to follow and live, it, live out his teachings. We're going to be like him. We're going to imitate him in lifestyle, in behaviors. It sounds easy, but man, then it becomes contrary to some things that we've always done, that we always want to do, like if you've stole, steal no more, be angry and don't sin, give to the poor, pray for those that have hurt you. So once you start to, you, you, you come to faith, part of that is not just the prayer of salvation, but it's beginning to walk out this faith and live for the Lord and be like, be like Jesus. The last part of this is experience a spiritual rebirth that will transform your life. So we're not just checking a box here. Listen to me. But there's something that will happen to your heart. This is not just about human will and human effort. I'm just going to try to, you know, a little harder just to, you know, to overcome some of my iniquities. There is something that happens in the life of a person when they make that prayer and that repentance and, and they, they align there. There is something supernatural that takes place in the heart and lives of people. Isaiah said he will take a heart of stone and he will make a heart of flesh. Paul writes it 
this way. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Something happens. It's not about your human effort and your human will, but there is a transformation, a regeneration of your heart, and you're a new person going forward. It can happen in your life, all right? So that's, that's what it is. It's confession, acknowledging Jesus' death on the cross, repenting, asking God to forgive, knowing that part of your life is going to be living out as we grow in this, living out the teachings of Jesus. But when all that aligns, there's something that happens in the heart of an individual. I won't go through my whole story. I'm just telling you, in one moment, I was a changed guy. All right, my mind, my heart, every part of that when the Lord touched my heart. And this happens to people in different ways. It's, it's sometimes it's very emotional. Sometimes it's, it's not. But I'm just telling you, there's a moment of, of transformation that the Holy Spirit, a work of grace that the Holy Spirit works in our heart. So that's it. You know, that, that's it. Now, let, let me say, if you've been a Christian a while, you've been a Christian a while, and, and, and maybe, you know, you don't have like any big sins. You're relatively consistent to church. And you just maybe are going, you know, I need to maybe kind of get back into this, follow Jesus more closely. If you're a Christian, but maybe you haven't been following Jesus as closely as you should. Here's some things that I want you to remember. I want you to remember the example of Nicodemus, all right? Nicodemus was a person, you know, that was checking all the boxes, all right, he, he attended church, he knew the scripture, you know, he didn't have any kind of big issues in his life. He was just kind of serving on a minimal, kind of a ceremonial kind of basis. But yet there was something, there was something that was incomplete in his heart. There was something in this religious person that kept him up at night. There was something that when he went to the temple and he sang, there was something that was not satisfied. When he was reading, there was something yet. There was still some, something that was incomplete in his heart. And this thing is eating at him. He's going, but you know what? I go, I go to church. I go when I'm supposed to. I sing the right songs. I do the right things. But yet there was something on the inside that was still empty in a religious person. And he came to Jesus. It says he came at night. One night he can't sleep. Maybe, maybe it's because he was scared. I think maybe some night it's just turning in his head and he knocks on the door and said, hey, I need to, I need to meet with you. And I want, I want you to know maybe you need to have that Nicodemus moment. Maybe you look at your life and go, man, I've got, you know, I'm, 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 I'm walking kind of minimal, kind of ceremonial, but there's something that's still missing in my heart. I want you to know you Regardless of how long you've been in the faith, you can have a passionate experience. The Lord, the Lord can renew you and, and, and give you the experience that you want also if you've been in the faith a while. Maybe it's time to consider change your spiritual rhythms and habits. Okay? Listen to me. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life. All right? So if all of your thoughts are on carnal, worldly things. That's all you do throughout the week. It's on carnal, worldly things. Then don't be surprised when your heart is filled with carnality and worldliness. Then you come to church, and here's you're going, man, I can't get into this moment. What's that song of worship? You know, when I pray, my mind is distracted. I have trouble reading the Bible, making myself read, making, my, my, making myself 
pray. So you, you, you find yourself a little frustrated because you're doing things that you feel like should bring life, but they're not bringing life. But I want to say, because the balance of your, your week is you're feeding yourself carnally minded things. To be carnally minded is death. It will start working coldness and distance in your life. But to be spiritually minded is life. So when you start to focus yourself on God's word and, and prayer and worship songs and, and, and maybe serving at the church, there's a life that will start to emerge. So maybe you need to take some priorities in your life. You know, Maybe you need to look at how you're spending your time and feed yourself some life-giving things. And I promise you, you when you plant the seed of those things in your heart spiritual life can emerge and it will so at the end of the service at the end of the service today we're going to give people a chance to follow Jesus or kind of renew faith we, we want to it, we're not throwing any stones on anyone this morning we want you to know the fullness the very fullness of Jesus the last thing I'm going to cover for for a moment this morning they had initial Follow me. They had an initial life-changing encounter with Jesus. The next part, they followed Jesus' example by being baptized in water. Okay? Now, we're having baptism next week. And I want you to listen to me because some, some, some of you, you need to be part of this next week. So, people, you know, in, in the, in the uh, time of the Gospels, they started having issues with sin in their life. And they found themselves coming to a man called John the Baptist. And he started just baptizing people, all right? He just started baptizing them. And they would, it was a baptism of confession and repentance. Crowds begin to come, as you read in the Gospels. There begin, begin to be kind of this resurgence, this reawakening that was happening after the 400 years of silence, like people coming out of hibernation. They were coming, crowds were coming. And John, John's baptism was this baptism of repentance, all right? His was a baptism of confession and repentance. Today's baptism is different. It is a baptism of new life and transformation. There's a different, different twist on that as well. Because of Jesus, it kind of changed what baptism is. So, so we want to be baptized because Jesus was baptized. Okay? As soon as Jesus was baptized in Matthew 3, he woke up, went out of the water. At that moment, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus was baptized as our example. But there were a few things, you know. Number one, Jesus was baptized, but he also had a powerful spiritual experience as well. It was just not a ceremonial baptism. It meant something to him when he did it. And, and the Holy Spirit came upon him when he came up out of the water. And it also says that God was pleased. I'm telling you, you please God when you follow him in the waters of baptism. And I'm, you know, I'm going to walk out the symbolism of that in just a moment. It was also Jesus' practice and command on baptism. Matthew 28, look what he says. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. So he is connecting discipleship and following Jesus closely with baptism. He says, go make disciples, but what's the first thing that I want you to do when you make a disciple? I want them to be baptized in water. He's connecting them, those two things, following Jesus and water baptism in one sentence. He said, I want you to go preach. I want you to make disciples. And the very first thing that I want you to do, I want you to baptize them with water. We see through the book of Acts, believers followed 
uh, Jesus' directive and, was, and were baptized in water as an evidence of the genuineness of their conversion. All through the book of Acts, people were baptized in water. When they were saved, they were baptized in water. I think baptism should be done as soon as possible uh, after salvation. I think it's really important that when there's a rededication of your life or salvation, maybe you've been away and distant, I think that those are important moments, you know, uh, uh, to do. I think it should be done as soon as possible. I think it should be maybe your first act. It shows your seriousness about your walk with God. Hey, you know what? I just didn't pray a prayer. I'm ready to walk out what baptism means. And if there's any value in it, if there's any value in the act of baptism, I think it should be done as soon as possible. We see in the assemblies of God in our numbers last year, we had 367,000 people that were saved, you know, but we had 114,000 who were baptized. It's easy to pray the prayer. It's easy to pray the prayer, but to begin to walk that out and become baptized, people don't even take the next, they don't even take the next step. I, I, think, I think it's very important. Worship team, you can come. Romans 6, 4 says we're buried with him in baptism. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of God the Father. So when you're baptized, it's like you're acting out salvation. It's like a one-act play, all right? So baptism, baptism, when you're baptized, you're put under water. It's, it symbolizes the death of your old life. Look at the word that Romans uses. You're buried. When someone dies, the first thing you do, you bury them. So when, when therefore we're buried with him through baptism, it's symbolism of the old life. I'm dying to my old self. Self, self-image, self-gratification, they're all done away with. And then it says, like Christ was raised from the dead, so are you likewise. So you're dead to your old self, but as God's power came upon Jesus' lifeless body in the tomb, in the same way this symbolism works, I'm dying to my old self, but I'm coming back up, and I'm going to live my life by the power of God that is working in my life. I'm buried with him in baptism, but I'm raised because of his resurrection. I'm raised in newness of life. And it is symbolic for every person to let people know, hey, I'm serious about this. I'm serious about this. So I want to say, if you've never been baptized, we're going to pray the sinner's prayer in a moment. Maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you feel like, maybe I've been baptized before, but I've made a new dedication and I need to reseal this. I need to let everybody know I am serious about my walk with God. Then I want you to do it. I want you to do it. Go see Kelsey, Brad, somebody at guest services. They'll sign you up, give the details. Outside of Colorado, a young man, he commits a violent crime. Attempted murder, used a gun, stands before the judge. They give him life without parole. He's lived in jail for 22 years in one of the maximum security facilities in Colorado hardened not just by life but hardened by the institutional you know the, the the correctional facility and the people that you're around but over the course of time the seed of the gospel can penetrate the hardest of hearts i don't care who you are and what you've done god can save you doesn't matter 
He started hearing, started, the gospel started to penetrate. And this is what happened to him just a few weeks ago. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. In the jail, in the, in the warden's office, he's got all this stuff on his file that he's done. Lamb's book of life, his folder's clean. He's forgiven. He's forgiven. God saved, followed it with water baptism. I want to do a prayer right now. We're going to just do a time of, of altar in just a moment. If you're here today, and, and maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. Maybe, you know, you know, maybe you've just kind of been back and forth. I want to give you that appeal. Following Jesus starts with the initial life-changing encounter. I'm going to put it on the screen. I frame it this way. If you'll do three things, if you'll do three things, if you admit that you need God in your life, okay? If you'll believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, You'll confess your sins, repent of your sins. If you'll do those three things, then God will do three things for you. He will forgive your sins. He'll give you a new life. Doesn't matter what other people know about your reputation. You are new and fresh and clean when you stand before God. And he'll give you eternal life. You don't have to wrestle anymore with what happens when I die. If you do those three things, then God will do those three things. There's a prayer that they're going to put on the screen. And I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to ask everybody to just kind of bow your head. And I'm going to just kind of pray this prayer. And if that's you, maybe you just look at the screen and you say the prayer. You say the prayer. I want to give you the opportunity to know, to know Jesus like, like we have. So Father, we know that we've broken your laws and my sins have separated me from you. And I'm truly sorry, and I want to turn from my sinful past towards you. Please forgive me. I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins and was resurrected from the dead. He is alive, and he hears my prayer. I invite you, Jesus, to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, I pray. Would you stand with me? Would you stand? Maybe you're here and you're one of those that you've been in church a long time. And there's been all kinds of things that have kind of happened in your life. And maybe you've lost some focus and some, some priority. Maybe, maybe you realize there's been some distance and some coldness in your life. And so I'm not here to throw a stone. I'm just here to go, hey, man, these things kind of, these kind of happen. But don't, don't live there. Don't live there. Come and follow. Come start back over. Come start new. Doesn't matter how long you've, how long you've been in the church. Amen. Amen. Brent, the worship team is going to sing.
I just want to do a quick prayer, and then we're just going to open the altar if you need a... And look, we're going to combine learning about Jesus and the supernatural. If you need a healing, you need a miracle, you need God to do something in your life, you're away from the Lord, you just want prayer this morning, we want you to come. People are going to pray for you this morning. So, Lord, I pray. God, I pray the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would touch hearts and lives this morning. Draw people to faith in Jesus this morning. Lord, those that have been cold and distant, bring them back. Lord, those that need a healing and a miracle in their life. Lord, we pray that you're going to do that restorative work. You're going to forgive sin. God, you're going you're to bring healing to people's hearts, lives, and minds. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Brent, lead us in worship this morning. If you want prayer, I want you to come. Whatever reason, people will come pray for you this morning. Whatever reason's on your heart today, we're just opening these altars up to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you feel in your heart you need to come, just make that step in front of everyone. Come do it. Come do it. Come pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.